Hey, DC and RMD listeners, all this year, we will be featuring a product of the week. So be sure to look within the description of each and every podcast this TV season and click through those links. Whenever you purchase an item through our links, each purchase helps our network grow and we're able to keep the lights on within the studio. Would you care to step outside? We did it today. Superman. Sorry, I'm being raised. You are the lasso of has to compel me to reveal the truth. I'm Batman. Meow. Yeah. I'm with my hands. Warning, DC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sh- sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. Things are back, bitches! What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of DC on RMD, Titans Edition on Rain Man Digital. If you're listening from your desktop, you can also find us on demand on your mobile device. Just check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Google Play, or Spotify by searching DC on RMD. And once you find us, go ahead, leave us a review, give us stars. It really helps us out. I'm your host, Stephen. Tonight, I've got David with me. Hello, everyone. And Mr. Flores. Hello. Uh, today, we'll be breaking down and talking about Titans Season 2, Episode 7, Bruce Wayne. With tensions running high at Titans Tower, Corey, Corey tries to learn more about Connor while Dick sets out alone to track down Deathstroke with a familiar voice haunting him. So this one was directed by Akiva Goldsman and written by Brian Edward Hill. Now, Akiva Goldsman, that name sticks out to me for some reason. He's huge. Yes, um, like huge. And I, yeah, I couldn't place where I, I had seen it from, whether it was from other DC shows. Everything. He's a, yeah. a legacy. Like he's an icon in television and movies. Well, so that's awesome to know um, because I'll tell you what, that opening shot of Jason falling yep. was one of the coolest goddamn things I think I've seen in oh a while. Oh my God, yeah. That's a way, that was an awesome way to open everything up. Really was. If, from going from like, uh, you know, an initial close up of him, you know, in the face and then going to a side view of him falling story after story and then back to, a, you know, an above view where you're following down the fall with Jason and just the look of it all, it was very, um, to me, there was like subtle, subtle hints there of like falling into a Lazarus pit because of the color, yeah. the color palette. Um, but holy shit, what a way to open the episode. Oh, it was really powerful. And it set the tone too for like that moment. We, we kind of, in the, from the last episode, you know, you get, you get through it and you get to the point where, oh, okay, you get to the point where he's saved by Connor. And, this one goes back and it basically just shows how that character possibly could have felt. And it set the tone for the episode for, for Jason for the entire episode. Yeah. I mean, throughout the episode, we continually see, um, you know, his eyes, they, they tight close-ups on his eyes and him just zoning off, dazing, dazing uh, at nothing, you know, and seeing those lines. And for the longest time, I was wrestling with, you know, does he have, is this like Supergirl where he's got some special contacts and he's, uh, cause right now in Supergirl, they're using this whole contacts, uh, plot line. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and so I was like, does he have some bat contacts where he's going deep into the mainframe trying to find Deathstroke? And then it was like, no, he's no, just, this is the DC universe where things are actually well thought out. Okay. Correct. And smart. This is, this is him like almost at the, it, it it goes back to the the thing that a lot of people say when you die, the moment of death, all of a sudden it just every sl- time just slows down mm-hmm. and you just feel it like for eternity. Mm-hmm. And it's very traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I like and I dug with that scene, it, it was very poetic for things that we would see. It was a bit of a foreshadow. Yes. Um, because yes, he, he's falling. That's the whole point. He's falling, but so is everyone else. Every everything's everything's falling apart right now mm-hmm. uh, with the family. Yes, so I felt like it was a good touch, and you can always tell when there's somebody. Not to say that the directors we have we've had directing episodes of Titans have not been good. They have absolutely, but when you have a master like Akiva Goldsman come in, like you can tell this whole episode was sheer quality. 
Oh yeah. It, Especially like when you look at his, when you look at his background and you know, forget, forget Batman and Robin. <laughs> he was a writer for Batman and Robin. Forget that. Yeah. But look that's, at that's, beautiful a show, that's a show mocker thing. Yeah. Or but, Schumacher. but look at, look at like a movie that he did for beautiful mind. Oh, as soon as I actually saw, saw the whole episode completely, you begin to actually look and say, "Yeah, you, there is a lot of Akiva Goldsman's like he's brilliant, dude. Like he's little really nods good. to how he tells a story. Every time he does a story that's very interpersonal and kind of uh, traumatic, it's introspective. It's introspective. A lot of his that, work is introspective. Yeah, that's that's the word that I was looking for is introspective. Which, which, if you you look at the story for Dick this week as well, the entire thing was introspective. Yeah, and what better way to do an introspective story? where people are falling apart at the seams, yep. then use the film noir as your genre because that's what they use. That was the vehicle they used for this episode, which we already know film noir goes hand in hand with many Batman stories. So to have Dick Grayson play the part of the detective and he's investigating, he's going from place to place looking for that clue. It was <laughs> so fucking old school film noir. Even the the cab the cabaret noir bar he went to, yeah. it, everything was designed to make you feel like you're in a film noir. Even the the uh, the back and forth between him and himself. Mm-hmm. You and of course poetically they use Bruce Wayne as the mouthpiece for his own internal thoughts. But even that, everything about this episode was so fucking brilliant how they chose to use it to get into the minds of our characters this week and the and the awesome part about akiva goldsman i don't know if you guys actually know this or uh, when i looked into it and i put this in my notes i am really psyched for the rest of titans because from this point on akiva goldsman is actually leading the way is he is he the director for the rest of the season or no he was uh part of the writing from this episode on no shit well he's been a part of the the show for since the beginning yeah the conception but But i didn't know he's he's taking a more he's he's more hands-on because like i looked up on uh imdb and then i did some research after i watched the episode and akiva goldsman actually wrote the majority of like from here on out this season uh season two so I'm really psyched to where he's going because one of the highlights of the season was the whole growth of Dick Grayson into Nightwing. And if this is the type of, you know, story that Goldsman's going to tell us to get it more personal to us, I'm really psyched. I, I, I now feel that we were, we were speculating in the last episode about when Nightwing's going to show up. Mm-hmm. I honestly think now he's not going to show up till the very end. I, I'm with you. I think they're, you know, the, this was a more focused episode on two of our core characters. You know, we, we went and we had to close up a little bit more with Connor from the last episode, um, so, you know, because that was still a loose end. It's a loose end, but, but they had to work it. In. Yeah, they worked it in just right. Um, but the focus didn't really pull in any of the other characters. It was really focused on uh, Dick and Jason and the turmoil between these two brothers these bat brothers as it were and so and around them the whole family dynamic as mike mentioned you know it's it's crumbling the whole family's crumbling and and so i think we found our narrative for the rest of the season of how that family might fall apart or build itself back up again and then ultimately lead to nightwing taking the mantle as the leader and and maybe pulling the group back together and giving them some some direction i agree especially especially from a comic book fan front the fact that they basically came out and said that without giving any spoilers or anything that dick broke broke the number one rule of batman if if it's true what he uh, in the very end he broke the number one rule that is really important. And what's the number one rule? Don't touch little boys. Because <laughs> that's what I'm assuming. Come on, Dave, out with it. But the number one rule is never to take a life. Don't kill. You're not supposed to kill. And the fact that basically at the the cliffhanger part of this, Dick comes out and says, 
I killed Jericho. Yeah, but it's not as simple as that. I'm sure that he didn't say. It's not as simple, but if you think about it, he's telling Jason this. Because he feels responsible, (laughs) but I think we can assume that he didn't kill. He didn't take a gun, put it to his head, and shoot him. They're they're leading you to believe that, though, with with all these little things that uh, Dick has been doing, even since season one. He's he's obviously more rough around the edges than uh, than Batman would like in terms of using guns and being, you know, in that sort of way. But I think. liberal with it, yeah, he's more liberal with his violence and and what he chooses as as weapons to. And uh, I don't know about you, it. but but like that's a huge secret, not to just keep from all the all his other team members, but to keep it from Bruce. And then when you compound that with how they portray mm-hmm. Bruce and how Dick thinks Bruce is, it makes it makes so much sense, and it creates like this really broken dynamic of like what you said. It really shows that the Bat family is dysfunctional. They're very dysfunctional. And, you know, for it was interesting to watch. Um, you know, I kept thinking in my mind, I want to see more of, of Ian Glenn play Bruce because we, we only got just a nugget of him so far. I want to see more of that, if at all possible, because to see what he really is in this universe that they've constructed versus how Dick Perceives, perceives him in his him. mind after years of of his uh you know being his ward and being groomed by him he he has this voice this conscience if you will that's bruce in his head throughout the entire episode over his shoulder taunting him goading him through every scene and it's such a different take on bruce than anything we've ever seen obviously oh, he was he was quirky he was weird totally totally out of character in terms of bruce but it worked because it just showed you how dick in his mind uh perceives him and and man i've never seen anything like it in in the batman stories that i can recall oh i've never seen this and that's what made this really special because when you see this as a batman fan you really have to take a step back and say in reality we always say that the relationship between Bruce and his adopted sons is something really nice. You know, Bruce is the father figure. He's the brother, the older brother that they those three mm-hmm. Robins needed. Or foster father. But if you think about it, if you take a step back, and I, I, I actually thought about it after this. If you think about it, this is more like reality. You know, yeah. we would like to think that Bruce is the father figure, the older brother. But in actuality, he's fucking Batman. <laughs> right. He's 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 a guy that goes around dressed as a bat, beating the crap out of criminals in the name of justice. And lives in a cave. And lives in a cave and is a millionaire. And he he the way that his wards obviously look at him, you have to think that he's crazy. Mm-hmm. I also think that this is going to change our perception of Bruce Wayne from the first season, meaning there's a, there's still closure that we need from last year and why Dick Grayson was running from Bruce and from Mm -hmm. Batman. He was afraid we get it. We it's made clear that he was afraid of becoming Batman, that it was just too dangerous to, Mm -hmm. to continue to be his sidekick, to do things like Batman. He had to run away from that. And I wasn't a fan of them justifying it because I felt like it didn't need to be justified. It made perfect sense. But now with what they're doing based on this episode, I can kind of see now their plan of action. Meaning, I almost feel like, yes, Bruce Wayne comes with tons of baggage. That's always going to be a thing. But I almost feel like they're doing a minor course correction or perhaps this is what they had planned the entire time. They're going to show that Bruce Wayne slash Batman wasn't as bad as Dick Grayson made him out to be. That Dick Grayson this whole time is his own worst enemy because Mm -hmm. of what he did in his past. And this is the perfect example of that. The personification of this image that he has of Bruce Wayne manifested itself. This isn't really Bruce Wayne. This is how he feels Bruce Wayne would talk to him because of guilt. He feels guilty. He feels responsible. He's doing the exact same thing that he did to five years ago and whatever ultimately ended up panning out with the whole Jericho thing and Slade Wilson, it's happening again currently. And he's making the same mistakes and he's guilty and he's trying to figure it out. And 
just like any psychopath, which is what I like, you know, he's talking to himself, which I love that because of bringing the psychology of Batman. It's like the psychology mm-hmm. of Batman has always been such a huge thing when it comes to the Batman stories. And even though we're not dealing with Batman per se, we're still dealing with the Bat family. And for them to bring that side of things, the psychology of Batman into this show, I feel like it's, I feel like it's very it's very cohesive with the Batman stories. And we get a lot better idea of who Dick Grayson is and the problems he's going through all the way back to season one. This episode is without a doubt one of the best episodes of the of the season because it fixes many of the issues we had with the bumpy start. Mm. And it brings many of those strands, those narrative loose ends from last season and it's bringing them all together in this episode. Yeah, and what I appreciated about it was how it grounds it in that emotional reality that we all, every one of us, um, deal with, right? Every one of us will have conversations at work with a loved one, with a friend. You say or do something or they say or do something through the course of that conversation that you ultimately, after the fact, are pondering or thinking about or stewing on, and you're replaying the conversation in your head, and and you're it's the what if scenario. Like, yeah. man, I what if I would have said this? What if I would have said that? Or you know, or, or then that leads you to the next thing. Well, the next time I have this conversation or we talk, this is how it's going to go, and you start playing out these 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 fictitious scenarios in your head where you're oh, yeah. where you're. This I'm going to say this thing, or if he says this or she says that, then this is my retort. And you you construct this whole story and narrative in your head that doesn't exist at all. But mm-hmm. it's it's kind of you working through your 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 baggage internally. You're, you're you know, and sometimes it works out for you, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, but we all do it. Yeah, everybody does it. And the way mm-hmm. that they visually represented that, again, I don't think I I know I've never seen it in the in the bat books but i'm not sure i've ever seen it told quite like this on film ever that i can recall really does the trick in getting inside of dick grayson's head there was snarkiness there was yeah there was a cynical side as you said earlier steve it was definitely not bruce wayne per se and it makes me that much more interested Mm -hmm. in wondering what this bruce wayne really is like because this is the manifestation of dick grayson going through his issues Talking to himself, as you said. Um, but yeah, you, it's very, it was very smart because it just said every action that Bruce Wayne made, it helped us understand that much more. I don't know <laughs> if I've ever out loud spoken to a to the air. Oh, I have. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I talk I to myself and I've talked out loud, but I don't know if I've talked to another <laughs> to an imaginary friend. <laughs> not like that. Yeah. Uh-uh. Dancing with nude chicks so let's talk about that for a second i'm so you know, glad yeah they, they've pushed a little bit of the envelope on all these series right i mean we saw some good sex action on doom patrol i mean we saw titties right like yes i, I mean the, did, we, did we see Corey's titties last year i don't think yeah, I, don't, I think we did when she banged dick grayson i don't know if we saw titties a side boob i think, I think we boob. see side boob but i mean they're pushing some of this stuff uh, further than I ever thought that we would see on yeah. on from from DC, even though DC's always been the darker of the universes. Um, but in this one, we saw we saw burlesque uh, pasty titties, yeah. pasty titties. But yeah. let's like it goes in the line of like DC universe. Honestly, the way they're doing their storytelling is really showing what a true superhero story can do. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw it with. Every single one of the series before, Swamp Thing, what did they do? They tried to make a superhero story into a horror film. And to to a degree, they've succeeded. Mm-hmm. Then with this, I've been noticing that it's with Titans, it's not about the action. It's not about, like, fighting the villains, per se, but it's more about the inner workings of a young superhero trying to become a well-established superhero and and working with each other and how that doesn't work. But what does it have, have to do with boobs? <laughs> what does it have to do with boobs? A young superhero coming out on his own, well, going through know. puberty and say, come on, Dick, well, where, Dick, where does this connect to boobs? Well, Dick is still growing. So maybe okay, that's how his brain Thank works. you for fixing it. Now I get it. <laughs> that's uh, how his brain works. Uh, but I do appreciate the maturity of the episode, not because yes. I need to see tits and ass. But However, I, like I, well, yes, the man side of me is like, yes, I enjoy it. But also just from 
uh, a film critic perspective, you're dealing with a show that's a very mature show. Yeah. Yes. And one thing I cannot stand, and I know you can't do it in all forms of entertainment, but when you're dealing with uh, a reality much like ours, and it's in a gritty part of town, the underbelly of society, crime, it, boobs are there. Well, it, <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? Like, totally. Yeah, like, and I cannot stand when they when it's it becomes so obvious that they're not going there because, well, we don't really want to do it a little too mature. But in reality, that's what would be there. Yeah. And that's what I appreciate. And that's why I love about the DC Universe app and these streaming services, because you have the opportunity to do things creatively that normal network television wouldn't allow due to censorship and because of that that does hinder story and the development of a world well and that's exactly why even even on hulu but netflix especially like we're and always hbo and cinemax have been able to do this but we're we're getting into um we're able to tell the story that are set in these these cities where we know this stuff happens especially in gotham now now they're not in gotham they're in they're in san francisco but you know Throw a dart and hit a city, and all this shit exists, <laughs> right? Yes. So, um, especially in San Francisco, let's be real. Right. So there's there's <laughs> going to be it might be a different kind of club, but there's going to be something <laughs> there, and, and I'm I'm appreciative that they're they're not shying away from that, and they're going into it because that's where these CD people are going to be, or exactly. is in establishments such as these. So, uh, grounding it in that reality. Um, Speaking of boobs, Steve, um, do you think that the actor that played Connor, uh, do you think it was really hard for him not to get a hard on when he was all nestled up to Corey? I mean, let's, let's be, I mean, he was nude. I, th- I think oh, um, man. there might have been. How embarrassing would that be? Um, yeah, I mean, I would have had one if I was him. Um, Can I tape this down, please? <laughs> but even more, more concerning to me would be raven getting a boner at his ass i i, I know i mean dude, <laughs> man <laughs> that's gotta be embarrassing can you there's no amount of money that someone could pay me there really isn't that they said hey i want you to be nude next to anna diop i'm like wait a second who's anna diop the, the hot chick right there <laughs> you gotta be kidding me and then we're gonna have a teen behind you looking at your bare ass, bare ass. right get the fuck out of here i quit <laughs> oh, hold on not just a teen you know, you're going to have that other doctor lady and yeah, a Eve. dog's going to be watching you. It's going to be watching you. I like the dog can stay. Everyone else out. <laughs> so let's see you keep, keep calm now, Connor. Yeah. Like <laughs> you say, keep calm because, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I wanted Anna Diop's character, Corey, to say something after, especially since it would fit I, I for felt, Starfire. Something flirty. Yeah. Something, flirty. something where she looks at his dicks there. I was like, what a missed opportunity. There should have been something. Well, wow, you must be a super boy or something like that. Well, especially since she was talking to him in Kryptonian. Yeah. I mean, come on. I honestly feel like that's a missed opportunity. That was a missed opportunity to do something really cool and funny. But but you know what? That was a nice little wink, wink moment, right? Where he comes out of his little Kryptonian coma and and says whatever he says in, in Kryptonian language. Yeah. And she jumps right back at him and it's like holy shit duh she would know no, how what a kryptonian is <laughs> like that was so cool okay so i have a question yeah all right so my only issue with this episode and it'd be up not being naked <laughs> yes <laughs> so dumb i i hate to bring negativity to such a great episode but maybe it's not a problem with this episode specifically but maybe it's a problem i have with this entire season um as a whole it's a little bit of a nitpick, but I feel like they're and correct me if you or if I'm wrong or if you disagree. They're taking a lot of us. They're making a lot of jumps and a, there's a lot of assumptions. Pacing opportunities. Well, kind of, I guess, like Corey has been here for what, six months and she knows of Superman, but then she had to tell the other person that yeah. it's Kryptonian. That that bothered me. That that part bothered me. But then she was surprised to find out that Kryptonite was in his system. I, I there was a. I feel like she knows too much, but then she doesn't know more. She enough. doesn't know enough. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If she knows one thing, she should know the rest of it. 
because then she talks about as if she knows who Superman is. Oh, you're talking about the very person who can, you know, jump through building, whatever she right. said about Superman. Right. And that's my biggest problem with this season. They're, it's not just this episode. They're making a lot of assumptions. Just like, oh, well, okay, there's, so you in, know about that? there's inconsistencies in the lore and, and mythos of the characters and the real world setting that they're in and, and who would know about them. Right. So yeah. we already know that the Justice League exists. We know yes. that Superman exists. Um, and, and Eva, Eve, Eve, yeah. Eve, the, the, the chick that cloned him, or at least was a scientist working on it. She obviously knew of Superman because she took his yeah. DNA to, to co-clone him, uh, with, with Lex's DNA. What DNA did she, do you think she used? Do you think she used like semen? Semen. Oh yeah. She, oh, yeah. she jerked him off into a cup. All right, Lex, come on over here. <laughs> I need a sample. <laughs> where's the cup yeah, I just use my mouth <laughs> but you would think that if she's getting that DNA and she's doing this she's she's a woman of science she's probably going to do a little bit of homework and research she would know who, what a Kryptonian is right and, at this point in yeah. the game I mean newspapers for days for years right about Superman and the things he's doing all of those data points are going to be known. They're going to be out there. I like the way you said it better than how I said it. I mean, I said assumptions. You're saying there are issues, holes within the lore and how it's being stated. And that's, that's exactly the problem. Especially when you put into the context that she, she works with Cadmus. Yeah. I mean, Cadmus has to know everything. And at this point, you figure they would. I mean, they made a clone of freaking Superman and Lex Luthor, so they would know all of Superman's weaknesses. <laughs> she knew about kryptonite. She knew about kryptonite. And I'm like, like it, it did. It do, it's one of those things that it, it, I haven't seen it a lot in the other series, but in particularly in this series, they seem to have this problem of trying to tell us something cool about the lore but always kind of like it's vague vague and it it kind of is hit or miss and it was okay last year but their vagueness didn't pay off yeah because now they're not they're last season they were vague this season it's balls to the wall there is no vagueness and because of that there's holes in it like well that doesn't make sense how does she know that but if she doesn't know this okay so that's okay to say but then suddenly this person doesn't know this yeah, I think they need to fix that by moving when they move into season three, because it does. You have a show like this that is so great and the actual story itself is fantastic. But those those little things. It pulls me out. Well, especially since when it starts introducing bigger concepts to the series than what we would expect. I mean, I'll be honest, going into Titans, I never thought we would be going into Batman. I never thought we were going into, mm-hmm. now it looks like we're going into Lex and Superman. And I'm like going, okay, this is going getting larger and larger and larger. And in the other series, it was cool because you can actually make those little nods. Like in Doom Patrol, when they talk about Cyborg being part of the B team mm-hmm. and he's he's in the minor leagues. Right, right. And... Talking about the Justice League, that was fine because, given in that con, uh, given in that context, it worked. An example of what they, if they were to do on Doom Patrol, what they're doing here, okay, a perfect example would be this: they know who Cyborg is, and then episode four, they're like, "Wait, who's Justice League? What's Justice League?" And then two episodes later, they talk about Batman. That's what they're doing in this show. Yeah. People, for some reason, have selective memory. Mm. Yeah, that's it. That's Does that the term. make sense? Mm-hmm. It's selective memory. Yeah, and it just, it sucks because I get so aggravated because it, they're tarnishing such a brilliant gem. You know what I mean? It, it could all pay off, uh, again, hoping they, while I don't want to see too much of a fo- uh, formulaic approach to all of this, yeah. if it does become a backdoor pilot to a Superboy show, then I think... Maybe I can forgive some of this um, because then you can save all of that depth for those characters that they're alluding to for that new show. Um, But right now it feels just um, hit or miss. It's just kind of it's it's not quite there. It's not quite there. It's it's uh, blue balling (laughs) in a way. It's it's very bad blue balling. Yeah, it's 
It's a little strange. Speaking of blue balls, uh, let's take a real quick break and uh, we'll come right back. It's not embarrassed because you don't remember if you didn't. Okay. I didn't pull my dick out. Are you sure? If you only remember 30%, how do you know that? The 30% I remember is not whipping my dick out. How do you know that during that 70%? That's the the 30 I remember. I didn't whip my dick out. I remember 30% of the night. That was the entire time she claims we did something. Yeah. Open and shut case. Okay. So, Ryan, there's 70% that you don't remember. (laughs) But I remember not whipping my dick out. That's 100. There's 70% you don't remember. 30% of what I remember. Part hold on, hold on. might have whipped it out. Thirty percent of what I remember is a hundred percent I didn't pull oh, my dad. That is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> to Mike's point, though, in nine months you get a text message saying it's yours. You change that phone number. I, well, obviously, dude, I'm getting a brand new phone number. He's like, it's your baby. I'm gonna be like, no, it's, it's not. It's your baby, Ryan. I, I know you. I don't come. I know you I don't, no mama. I don't. Oh, come. if she could pick your dick out of a lineup, though, then I you would know that you pulled it. I swear to God, I'm naming him after his great great grandfather. seen my dick in a while I, my dick got black somehow i don't don't you deny me oh my god the baby you looks like boo oh, oh my oh. god i was sending you messages you'd be fucked this is oh. fucked up dude but i followed you on facebook <laughs> for more rain man visit rainmanshow.com Hey guys, help us grow our network by pledging to our Patreon. From now until the end of the year, we are asking our loyal listeners, that's you, to donate a minimum of $1. We need to hit 100 subscribers before the end of the year to keep our Fortress of Solitude going. So help us keep the icicles cold here in the Fortress by heading over to patreon.com forward slash Digital and pledge a few bucks. Uh, check out the description of the episode for more details. Things are back, bitches! Woo! All right, guys. Um, now that my balls are no longer blue, um, Jason, <laughs> you want to stare at Anna Diop more? I, I, I do. <laughs> that would give us more blue balls because we're not gonna have no release. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the whole thing with Jason this episode too. Um. Again, you know, he had, he kept having these these dazes where he would stare off into nothingness. Um, I think everybody's experienced something in their life where, whether it's straight up trauma or something that was unsettling or stuck with them, where you just keep replaying that thing in your mind over and over again in a, in a negative way, right? It's affecting you from... Um, connecting with others or affecting you from just carrying out your day-to-day life. Oh yeah. And um, the way that they, they tackled that was really interesting. And then to have Rose kind of come in and I still keep in the back of my mind going, is she here as a backdoor for Deathstroke is I, I still don't want to trust her at all because of who she is. But she had that little moment there with, with Jason where she kind of got him to drop his guard a little bit and they got a little romantic and she's a little sex kitten. You can tell. And not, not just that, but just the way she reacted to that record. Yeah. She turned on a dime. Turned on a dime. As soon as she saw that record, um, Oh man, it was bad news bears. (laughs) And, And so you're like, well, maybe she's not here as as a you know someone that that Deathstroke planted to divide the team further because that's what it kind of felt like especially as as someone I think that was the writer's intention yeah, yeah. And, and I like that because it keeps you on your toes it keeps you guessing um it it doesn't lay all the cards out on the table and for for you to start thinking well is this little broad jump jumping around and and fucking with everybody in the tower and leaving all these little clues it you know it was I like that too, by the way, like that little uh, psychological um, mind fuck of I'm just going to tease out every little thing that each of you have. Oh, yeah. And just 
plant this seed and then drive it right into the middle of your, your brain. brain. And, and that's just Deathstroke for It's you. so good. That's Methodic. what makes him great. Yes. And, and you know, but when she flipped on him like that, it's like, well, hell, um, poor Jason. You could just see it in his eyes. And then for him to leave, you know, or, or, or you know, try to walk out. And one right after the other just confronts him as if there was no... I think um, Dove was the most cautious in her approach compared to obviously Raven. Raven flipped the fuck out. And Hank. And Hank. Um, <laughs> and Gar was asleep. Yeah, Ga- Gar. Gar was just, what the fuck was that about? I, Are we going to learn about that? Because that was odd, right? I feel like Gar. But it fits his character, though, because this whole time. He's a, he's Gar, a sleepy lion. I think well, he's a stoner. Gar is those that one guy who's always left out of everything. Yeah. And this dopey. season, he's kind of dopey. But, like, it works for his character because yeah. that's who Beast Boy is. He's a dope. He Kinda. sleeps a lot. I'm confused. It's kind of on the, the fringe, I guess. He's on okay. the fringe of basically. Because he pretty much, they just forgot about him this year. It's like, yeah, right. whatever. Oh, well, yeah, we have a kid hey, that um, can turn into things. Yeah, they're like, hey, wait a second. What are we going to do with Gar this episode? Oh, you know what? I've already written like three and a half acts for this episode. How about we just make him sleeping? Sleep. <laughs> <We'll just pull> <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the funniest part is like, it doesn't bother me because I'm like going, oh, yeah, that's what that's no, it doesn't make it, it. It's not bad. Yeah, it's, it's not. not bad. An, it's not an issue. I was just. I just thought it was funny. I was like, really? This is everybody. <laughs> this episode was really uh, focused on bringing out some of the characters we have not managed to break open. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is the episode where we got to see what the actor who plays Jason Todd what he's really capable of doing Thank besides you. just being an asshole, which don't get me wrong. It's been great, but there's only so many times we can see that before we're like, okay, well, what else can this kid do with this character? And this was the episode where yeah. we finally got to see the real Jason Todd, right. someone and who's not just putting on a mask and playing a part. Not only did, um, did we get to see, you know, uh, the actor flex his acting muscle. Yeah. Um, Clearly capable of, of some range here, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, but we get to see a side of Jason that I don't think anybody really saw coming. Nope. Um, he he was he was destroyed. Yeah, he was mentally destroyed by this situation. Felt um, like in the previous episode, felt that that Dick had really set him up for failure, left him to, left him to die. Uh, to die. Um, and all of those awful things, but then to come back and then the family that you're supposed to be surrounded by as a team, one by one is accusing you and, and basically, uh, judge jury and executioner in terms of making a decision that he did it without any proof or validation. And one by one, as they did that, you could see the walls uh, in, inside him crumbling and, he was just completely destroyed. Yeah, and it, it, this the kid's is kid's a the, good actor, man. The kid was yeah. a good actor, and the way he, the way they portrayed Jason, is a perfect setup for Jason's fall. Yeah, because like he, he feels like an outsider. He feels like rejected. an outsider. Yeah. He's being rejected. He's he doesn't know who to trust now. And you get to that big climax where where, as as I was saying, Dick. Literally, basically says says he breaks the number one rule that them as the Bat family follow. Jason is being set up to be this almost broken character. They're gonna they're gonna just break him into so many pieces. He was already feeling cast aside by Bruce, and then felt cast aside by Dick, more or less, and one by one accused by the the family that he's now become a part of literally where does he you know and this is this is on the heels of of it all starting where he didn't even have a family you know i mean obviously he had parents but he was a street kid he was he was in juvie yeah so every point in this poor kid's life has met with you know f- the feeling of failure or rejection and like I'm going to say something that might surprise a lot of comic book fans out there. If this is the, if this is the path that they're going with their writing with Jason, 
this could absolutely be the greatest origin for the Red Hood. Better I, I than agree. Death in the Family. Because Death in the Family, you just killed Jason. Well, in this regard, you're killing Jason's character. You're destroying him. You're destroying him mm-hmm. by not killing him, but you're destroying him still. Yeah. Psychologically. Psychologically tearing him down to where every person that has shown him love or showed mentorship or protection one by one has cast him aside, not meaning to do so, but what he feels is that he's being rejected and cast aside. And then to ultimately have your bigger brother, as it were, spill this dirty secret to you that, you know, and and he's not come out and said, like Mike said earlier, that he pulled the trigger and killed, but you're left to assume or connect dots that, that some way Dick is responsible, but we don't get those details. And maybe we'll get them at the beginning of the next episode, but we get enough of uh, of the details to where Jason is going to connect his own dots. And that can really set him up for his new future of, well, fuck it. I can kill people. And imagine, and imagine if that, that's what it leads up to Jason donning that red hood. I think he's going to learn a lesson. Start point. Sorry, Dave. No, no, no. Go ahead. I I think Jason's going to learn a lesson like Bruce wanted him to. And he's going to learn a lesson from Dick. And it's not going to be the lesson that Dick was hoping to teach him. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he's going to see just how far Dick Grayson's willing to go. And he's going to end up taking it personal when he finds out what happened and the lies that he's been, you know, holding on to. I, I think that's going to be the thing that even pushes more, you know, a bigger wedge between them. Oh yeah. You, yeah. he was sent there to have his edges smoothed out. And I think we're going to see the opposite. They're going to get sharpened. I don't think yeah. we're going to have a good ending this year. I think it's going to be a fucked up ending. I don't think it's, I think they're going to give us a little bit of both like, Hey, all right. Yay team. But I think ultimately I think all roads are going to lead to something sad and dark. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, how about how about you know going back to Bruce Ian Glenn's portrayal um you know we talked about it earlier but the the you know he flexed some muscle there too <laughs> being a little goofy and um when he impersonated Alfred we actually kind of almost got to hear his real accent come through in that one yep. um which i appreciate it he he's struggling a little bit i think to to hide his his accent as as he's speaking, he's trying to to do an American, you know. Do you think he is, or do you think it's because you know what he sounds like for real? Because you you watched Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, I think you can you can hear it in parts. You know, some actors go through a lot of voice lessons, right? To Christian Bale loses it all the time in almost every single movie. Yeah, well, he's almost just every a, a top-notch actor. I mean, and not everybody can pull that off. And and whether you have a voice coach or an acting coach or what have you, there was just some parts where you could hear that come through. Oh yeah, especially in the some of the episodes, the really personal episodes between him and Dick. I mean, moments. Yeah, moments. moments. And like you almost hear. His his accent come out in the end. You almost wait for him to go into uh, like kind of talk, yeah, talking about Daenerys or something. Then you're like, uh. but I, I appreciated when he was up on stage with the, with the the burlesque girls and goes into the '66 Batman dance. Yes. I was like, holy shit, that's a beautiful little wink. <laughs> I loved yeah. it. It was so good, so good. Um, so did he win you over a little bit? Finally, he, he did. Um. I know you've been up in the air about it. I, I have. Like I said earlier, I want to see more. It actually made me want to see more of him now because I yep. want to know how he really is versus Dick's perception. perception I, I think that's him. important for us to book in those two things because it'll really drill home um, the mental uh, aspects of, of Dick and and start to ask new questions like, Jesus, what happened over the last, you know, 20 years or whatever that you've been his ward? Like what? I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because like you go to season one where how Dick perceives Batman 
and how he thinks Batman is like. That's his image of Batman, right? But then you get to this season and then you get to see his how the inner working, how he thinks Bruce is like. You got to remember, he didn't actually picture him as Batman. Mm-hmm. You saw him more like Bruce Wayne. Right. And they're, and they're two very different portrayals. I mean, the, in the season one, he, he thinks Batman's a killer. Well, that's, that's, that's the point I made earlier in the show. Like, yeah. I, I feel like the direction they're taking us is Bruce Wayne isn't as bad as Dick has made him out to be. The enemy, at the end of this story, he's going to find out is himself. Yeah. I think that's the trick they're going to pull on us. That Bruce Wayne, as I said, Bruce Wayne, as all of us know, as Batman fans, Bruce Wayne, yes, he's always going to come with baggage. But I don't think he's going to be as menacing as he has been made to be through Dick Grayson's Mm -hmm. perspective. Yeah. And that's the genius of this show. If they manage to do that and suddenly we're like, oh, this is all just Dick Grayson's perception, some warped perception brought on by guilt. Man, if they did be fucking good, it's really good because really good. Even again, I can't point to another instance off the top of my head where I've seen that depth conveyed, whether it was on the page or on screen, whether it was a a show, a cartoon or or even um, even the video games, you know, it just there's a lot of depth here and it's it's not in a lot of minutes on screen, which I appreciate like, you know, relative to the vast history of the bat um, mythos, they're pulling off a lot of depth in a lot less. That's impressive on its own. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, to find out ultimately there was a moment there where we thought maybe Rose was the one going around dropping mm. all the uh, the little hints and stuff. I'm glad it wasn't. It was too, and I didn't think it was just because. I, I, obviously, that's what they wanted us to think. But where did she go? Yeah, it I, still leaves it open. Do you think she's crazy? I like crazy, crazy. Like I she's doing things that maybe she doesn't even realize. You know, I don't know. I, on one hand, I want to give her the benefit of, of the doubt. I mean, my first wife acts just like acted just like her. Just crazy. One minute she's all, yeah, I want to have sex. Woo. <laughs> and then I'm going to fucking kill you. What is this record here? I, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt and, and not go like, is this broad all bipolar? Because she comes off. She, she comes, comes off as bipolar. She, she comes off that way. However, you know, given the context of why she's here, um, and, you know, and wanting to get back at her father for what she perceives to be daddy issues, daddy issues, you know, dad <laughs> killing her brother, um, to suddenly find this new clue. That's her driving force is her brother. And to find this record that she knows is her brother. I can see why, uh, you know, she would flip out. I can totally see it. But, um, you know, I was really hoping there for a minute that, that, her and Jason were just going to go to Bone Town. Oh, they're go- oh, they're going to. It's going to happen. You think so? Even after this? Yeah, I think so. She did say that she found him to be the easiest one to talk to, which I found w- was interesting. Even though Rachel whooped her ass in the last episode, um, or two episodes ago, rather, uh, I felt that they had a really good connection. They seemed to to understand but each other. But she's not a lesbian, though. She needs some some release. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and out of all the other broken characters here, I think her Rose and Jason just fit together perfectly. Yeah, I don't disagree there. I mean, he should have just went to town. He just wish he went to town in the middle of PTSD as he's falling in his mind. He can just you know have sex, right, Steve? Yeah. What better way to work through your issues than to have Asian please, persuasion Steve, work it through? Never be a psychologist or a therapist for anyone, please. <laughs> I'm Sex. feeling uh, suicidal thoughts. I'm experiencing, you know, PTSD. I just fuck. Yeah, just you gotta, you gotta you know, fuck I got this those feelings right away. <laughs> I, I mean, you might have become a sex addict, but we'll deal with that when we cross that That's bridge. The worst, worst <laughs> advice ever. <laughs> just Steve, just going around going. You know what? Best advice: anger, sex. Anger sex yeah. makes the world go round. Angry, angry sex. <laughs> angry. But I mean, ultimately, he ends up on uh, 
the roof. He, he didn't take my my wise sage like <laughs> advice. Well, if he had to choose between suicide or fucking, it's going to be fucking, right? Why not both? <laughs> what? It Just, can it can be both. Like, what's his guy? Kane um, from he walked the earth. <laughs> oh my god um yes D- david carradine I what it's called but yeah david um, carradine erotic uh, uh auto erotic asphyxiation yeah there you yeah, go there you go so you're gonna recommend that as a to your clients <laughs> if your therapist steve recommends hanging yourself by a noose and and masturbating well i mean ideally if you can get someone else to participate in it so you don't have to do the jerking off and, and for safety purposes right for, for safety right i mean that'll be 150 dollars, please for my time <laughs> Here on Rayman Digital, we do not condone any of this. No, no, we Steve do not. Steve is not <laughs> a licensed <laughs> a licensed psychiatrist. I am not, or or any of such things. Um. Anyways, let's take a, another quick break, and then we'll get into some final thoughts on the on the episode. This is Star Wars from the Butter Tank Exclusive. Oh, I want those ones. I want those ones. I'm like, but what about me? <laughs> what about me? I'm like, never mind. I have a 10 year old. I'm going to buy all the shoes for myself. I must have. I'm going to wear the Ray boots. I don't care if they're for female. <laughs> I know. Some of, the, some of the stuff, even for the females, actually is like, like yeah, uh, I'm like, excuse me, Pozu, but do you have any non-gender specific Ray boots? I'd really like that. Please. I'd really like that, please. Non-gender. That's the new thing today. I want to wear those Ray boots. <laughs> we have Twi'leks dancing right now. <laughs> and some sexy Ewoks. We don't discriminate. Don't discriminate. Hey, makes it easier to carry them. If you would bone an Ewok, would you bone a Bantha then? I mean, if there's no difference, right? Nah, Ewoks are a little bit more fluffier. And more intelligent, I guess, right? Is there yeah. an intelligence factor there? Because no. when does it become pansexuality and then bestiality? Where's the fine line there, David? <laughs> I must know this. <laughs> Is it okay to fuck an Ewok, but then frowned upon to fuck a Bamba? <laughs> <laughs> DC on RMD listeners, if you love our shows, and we know you do, please share them with your friends and give us a review. Every share or review that you put out into the interwebs helps our show climb those podcast charts. Wherever you listen to us, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play, remember to share the links after you listen to each and every episode. Stick to the script, don't slip in the nine fold. A lot of fools put salt in the game to where these women get the notion that they're running the game. Huh. I run my own and I'm my own self. All right, guys. No respect, make the Final thoughts. Mike, you go first. Um, really like the episode. I know last week I said the Connor episode was my favorite of the season. This one will take that spot. Oh. Not only was it just a good episode individually, uh, it also furthered the story of Dick Grayson. It continued many of the moments, uh, the personal character moments that was started last year, and they're bringing them together. It was a big thing that I talked about at the top of, uh, I should say, at the beginning of the season when we started discussing season two. I mentioned that they cannot let these things go. Uh, what they started with Dick Grayson in season one was fantastic. And I don't want everything to be a okay. Now it just wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they're continuing that. And I know we were hard and I, and I'm going to say justifiably, we were hard on the show at the beginning. And, and I don't think we need to go back and say, well, no, it's great. They had some issues with how they started it, but now you can see that they are bringing much of the things that they had started in season one They are bringing it back and they're not just bringing it back to remind us. They're bringing it back in a way that's working. That's helping this season, this season work. It's all working together. The new elements from season two are working in tandem with the narrative elements that were introduced in the first season. 
That's all we wanted. If you remember, that's all we said we wanted. We don't need to write the show for people. We don't need this to happen because that's what we want. We just want things to make sense and line up. (laughs) And this season, I feel like, or I should say this episode, I, I think it's okay. I think we can say with confidence that the season two has officially found its legs. Yeah. And I think it's just going to be smooth sailing from here on out. I think we can sit back and, and relax. So a uh, really good episode. What did I give last week? Do you remember? Percentage wise, you gave less than, than, than uh, David and I gave. I, yeah. I, I'm going to give this episode an, an 86. That I think this is higher. I think you gave an 80 last yeah, week. Yeah. I think you yeah. gave it 80. Last I'll week. give this one an 86. It's, it's, I mean, it's not just good from the story aspects. I mean, the use of the film noir genre, it, it makes sense, obviously, on multiple levels. And it wasn't just, hey, guys, I'm going to make a film noir piece because it's Batman and it works. No, they actually gave you everything. And this is something, Dave, I talk about all the time. If you're going to dabble inside of a genre, make sure you understand that genre when you choose your 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 framing, your camera blocking, uh, your motif, your art direction, and it felt like we took a, you know, a step into the world of film noir. So, an excellent episode. David? Uh, took me a second to actually think about it because Mike brings up some really stellar points. And actually the main points why this episode is as good as it is, is because it hits every single button correctly. Like... I I still uh I still like the uh the previous episode more but that's because for me it hits every single button and it stands alone by itself. It could stand alone by itself. This did wonders for not just the season but the entire series including season 1 because you continued the story narrative that you had since season 1. And you kind of strengthened the story and moved it forward. And that's what you need to do. And in, in like the difference between making a great standalone episode and making a great episode that helps the big, bigger narrative, the bigger storyline. Um, but I do agree with Mike that this is probably the best well-written episode for the series of Titans because it hits every single button right. It does things that basically normal TV shows that I've seen, especially in the superhero genre, would just do the quickie flashback back. Oh, let's just throw it back into a flashback. Oh, let's do time travel. Let's do uh, this. No, they actually do something creative and something different. And it makes it that in that regard, it made this episode so much more engaging. Like I felt when I was watching this, I was on the seat of my seat of my pants, just like like saying, Oh my God, there's Bruce Wayne. Oh wait, no, it's Dick's imagination, his imaginary friend. What the hell? I got a a little worried. Um, when, when I saw the little, you know, uh, screenshot that they put in the app, uh, and the title, I mean, I knew it was coming because I saw the title, but when you see it, you think, how is this going to work? How is this going to work? How are we going to have Bruce Wayne as a full episode, and how is that going to work in the context of this entire series thus far? But the beauty's thing, beautiful thing was, yes, it's titled Bruce Wayne, but it's so much more about Dick Grayson. It is. Which is what you have to do. Yeah. You have to connect to your main character. Mm-hmm. Dick Grayson is the main, he's the main lead. He's the guy that we, we tune in to see, okay, what is he going to do next? And this is what I'm hoping they do with all the episodes moving forward. I'm not saying every episode has to be just solely Dick Grayson, but you realize how Dick Grayson was the focus and all the other characters fell into place. Yes. That's your show. That's, that's what your they show. Did. That's what they did last year. And that's why I'm saying, I, I think the show found its, its feet because it felt much like, last year and and i'm i'm uh, i'm saying that i i see your point about it finding its footing i'm just a little i'm gonna approach it a little hesitantly and see can they continue this for the entire series at this point because can you what though 
continue this this very strong way of telling their narrative. You know, like the we. Uh, I mean, let's face it. Up to this point, the biggest the biggest criticism all of us have been saying is pacing. The pacing seems off. The pacing seems off. Oh, this is why, and this is why we we. There's excuses for the pacing to be off. But this episode showed that basically there's a reason behind that pacing issue. There's a re there, there's a method to the madness. And if you, we get more episodes like this later on, but why are you hesitant though? Just because of how f- I was hoping that we'd get to this point by episode two or three. I really was because of how strong first season was. There was, was a lot episode, that wasn't needed. I mean, yeah. I do agree with that. They could have got, maybe not episode two, but I definitely think they could have gotten here by episode three. For by episode sure. three, definitely. Yeah, we're seven yeah. deep now. Yeah, and we're seven deep. Is that what episode we're in? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And and you find your footing now? Yeah. At episode seven? Well, you got to remember, they had issues from last year because of good old Warner Brothers. Yep. Fucked them up. So, and we, so we're at the halfway marker. We're at the halfway marker. So, overall, I would give the score probably, let's see, I gave, uh, if I'm not correct, I gave the previous episode a 90. I think you gave it higher than that. No, I I went higher than that. Oh, okay. I think he's right. I I think I gave it a 90. I would give this, I would give this episode a solid 87. Yeah. 87. What's a soft 87. Solid 87 and a soft 87. What's the difference? Uh, soft 87 Like 87.5 is a solid I, and above? If I wasn't able to see Anna Dia make it. Oh, then <laughs> it's a hard 87. That would be a hard That's a hard 87. 87. That's a real hard 87. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, Instead, we just got, you know, Connor naked and, you know. And there's where the good, softness came from. <laughs> the soft you know. 80. That's a soft five for me. Okay. <laughs> so stupid. I, uh, I'm with you, David. I, I'm, I'm a little... I was a little hesitant at the beginning of the episode from pacing. It's been a mm-hmm. constant concern since day one of this season. Um, especially with the Connor episode, as much as I enjoyed it, like we said last week, it's, it's a great standalone episode episode. It could, it, it's like having that one shot issue. Um, and, and I would argue even this one in some ways is a great standalone episode but because of when you stack all the books on the shelf, it just doesn't quite flow the way that I would like it to. But um, that's in the context of the broader season. If I'm just looking at this episode for what it is, um, I, I really enjoy when anything digs deeply into the psychology of any character um, especially when one of those characters, we just destroy them. Not that I like to see people destroyed, but that's where you really get to the heart of some of these. No, these it's good. Issues. It's good entertainment. I mean, it's not like we enjoy. We don't thrive on death and destruction, but that's right. that's the that's Shakespearean. That's something we always talk about on this network. That's it, it's, it's the human. hero's tale. That's the, the embodiment of it's, true literature. Yeah. yeah, and and one thing I appreciate about the pacing as much as I look any good series that's written has to have those moments where you you pump the brakes a little bit you ease off the gas and you go deep into a particular uh situation about that character and again I look at Battlestar as a great example of that where throughout all four and a half seasons not everything was them uh in vipers you know shooting down cylons there were moments where they dug deeply into a character um and and really got inside the head of what was going on in that character you know hell Callie's death is one of them that you know and how the chief reacts to that those those types of things they really stick with you longer i think in the long term uh because they they grip onto those emotional things that we all have um those moments those experiences that stick with us yeah and so you can really relate to them it it gets into the humanity of us all so from that perspective i really appreciate it plus seeing the special effects or, or visual effects in in this one uh when starfire uses her star energy to heal connor and raven has to use her powers to create that a force cool. f- so bitchin 
Like, <laughs> I mean, cool. they're saving their budget for the right spots, and those spots just sing. And if you have a superhero TV show where it's ensemble cast and you're dealing with the team, those are the moments we want to see. Otherwise, yeah. why do you have a team show? Right. You need to see them work together, use their powers together. And that was, I think, the first moment we saw true synergy within the team. Within they, the team, yes. Yeah, it was awesome. And, and you know, the the one last thing that I know you're a crypto fan, David. Um, I I am not. It's just one of those ridiculous goddamn characters. I, I'm probably gonna be after at the end of the show, dude. At the end of the season, wanting wanting to get a dog. Be crypto fans by the end of this. But he felt so sad in his little cage, and I was like, oh, poor poor puppers. He's he's in his little kennel, and he can't go nowhere. And it was actually a really well framed shot. The way they did it, it really made you feel badly for that dog. Yeah. And then for him to get out, you're like, oh shit, they're going to get captured. And she gets him to use his eye beams, uh, his laser eyes on command, and then says, we got to get out of here or whatever. And he flies (laughs) off out the goddamn window. (laughs) Yep. I'm sold on the dog. (laughs) The dog is smart. I'm with you, Steve, because uh, I, I love those moments that make you clap when you didn't intend to. Right. Like, I'm watching the show, and he flies through the roof, and I'm like... I'm like, good. Good I'm boy, like, oh, good. Hi. Good dog. And then I'm like, oh, I feel so stupid right now. Right. But it made me happy. I'm cheering a flying fucking dog. No, I, I, so those little moments bring a little bit of, of I think, levity to the situation that we <laughs> of the rest of the episode. But, um, you know. I'm, I think Crypto should get that spinoff spot. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> okay, Connor and Crypto. I, let's do it. No, just, do, just Crypto. Oh, just Crypto. <laughs> And then they'll, they'll bring be like it. Homeward Bound, but with just yeah. And then and he's bring... going to Krypton and the fucking planets. <laughs> and then you can have like all the other super friend, uh, no. super pets show up. Now you're going too far. No, I want him to be flying <laughs> through space and then come up on just an asteroid field. And then it, he's just sad. And he's just he's sad. Jeez, like, that's dark. It is dark, but we live in a dark world. It's space. Um. I don't know. I'm with you guys. I, I would give it a solid 85, 86, probably. Um, I still would like a little bit more action, um, but not too much. I, I, I just, it's a solid 85 for me. I'll just leave it at that. Um, well, that's going to do it for us today, kids, on DC on RMD Titans Edition. Remember, you can always catch any past and future DC on RMD episodes through DC on RMD.com. Or follow us over on Twitter at DC on RMD, Facebook at Facebook.com slash DC on RMD, or Instagram at DC on RMD. Mother of God! Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour! 